Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and this guy. Me, Jason. How's it going, everybody? Jason Smith, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Just groovy, baby. Just feeling, feeling sensual, feeling sexy, feeling my beard right now. Just mm, warm. <laughs> I don't know what this warm day is. out there, but it's a really warm in this big old bear hug known as B and J. Wow, that's a new, that's a new, <laughs> that's a whole new wavelength that just happened. What's going on over there, buddy? Oh, nothing. Just uh, you know, today the reason I think I'm feeling this way, mm-hmm. I was watching, uh, I was watching Dirty John, and we'll get mm-hmm. into that later. Oh yeah. Um, and I was laying up again with my wife, and she's watching with me, and I was trying to cull up on her, and I was just kind of, um, you know, I'm, there's not a lot, there's not a lot going on up there, and I just, uh, Jason just showed us the top of his his head, and uh, if you didn't have sunglasses, it might have, yeah, it's it very bald, diverted your eyes, yeah, it's very very bald, it reflects a lot of light, but I was just trying to lean, great on looking the- guy by the way, just for uh, those who aren't watching, great um, looking guy, but he is bald, I mean, yeah, I look is, like a, it's a thing. It's yeah, not I look like a, 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 a sexy ex-football or ex-like yes. wrestler, right? Like, I look like I, I, I did my time. My knees are bad, and you just let the belly grow. Bad um, knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, absolutely. I agree with that description entirely. <laughs> but uh, so I was laying on um, uh, the couch, and my wife was sitting there, and I was like, mm, you know, I'm feeling kind of like, not like lovey, like not going to be like, let's make out during Betty Broderick. It is not a make out show. But no, it's it, definitely not like true, uh, true blood. No, no, no. But I was just like, I tried to cuddle up on her and just like nuzzle my head into her arm. She goes, oh, you're prickly. And I was like, there, there, this, is, this is baby soft. This is, this is softer than regular hair because there's not even a lot up there. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of hair that's like, it's, it barely even feels like hair. It just feels like like a little soft, soft little sweet oh, tickle. And, and so I just tried to cuddle. She's like, just get up. Hello. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, so, um, you know, me, I will not be, I will not be dissuaded. I had, I just kept going. Oh, you didn't I let just, it go. No, I could, I just tried to cut up on further and just try to block me with a pillow. No, getting, you're getting these cuddles. You're getting these cuddles, baby. <laughs> and so this is where this is, this is, this is what happens. This is what happens this when an inside reason. joke extends into, uh, the first three minutes of the Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith stuck at home podcast. It really is true, and this does not not happen often. <laughs> That's right. Wolfman Jack, yes, the Wolfman Jack voice. Do you remember Wolfman Jack? Not to get, not to dissuade, not to uh, segue too far off, because I do want to really introduce our guest. Do you remember that Wolfman Jack had a cartoon back in the eighties? Uh, I do, kind of like I remember he had a soap commercial. He had a soap commercial. He also had a show, like a Saturday morning cartoon. And that's where I learned about Wolfman Jack. And it's just the weirdest thing to think like, imagine like, so you know, weird. yeah, like people make some crazy ass shit. Like, but that back in the eighties, that was great. You can make the A team show and then a Mr. T cartoon separate from the A team cartoon where he just uh, traveled around in a van full of gymnasts. Right. That so was the beauty of the 80s. much blow <laughs> so much. So much blow was going on in the 80s that we had all these kinds of things being made. He was a DJ. This was like he was like the original Ryan Seacrest. Right. Exactly. You know, like with the beard. How much blow was that guy doing? Oh, too much. 
I mean, how much heroin did he smoke to have his voice like that? It had to, it had to have been a lot, but at the same time, whatever he was taking, whatever ludes he was taking, was keeping him keeping him heavy. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a skinny man. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't. It was. He had the Elvis problem. Elvis was like doing karate nine hours a day, but he was just gaining weight. That's right. <laughs> nine hours of karate, right. followed up by like sixteen peanut butter pickle and ham sandwiches and ninety ludes. <laughs> and so, so I was like, oh, it's not something's going south you know what and this all you know this actually does track back because when i start thinking about all that stuff and when i if i think of anybody who's doing a lot of lewds slash eating those kind of sandwiches class where it's mac from uh uh always sunny you know mac from well his greatness and there's so much greatness about that guy but his his true greatness is he raging bulls his weight stuff. He doesn't oh, yeah. mess around. He's like, I'm going to gain a whole bunch of weight for this season. And then I'm going to be completely, completely buff, like 0% body fat. Maybe oh, yeah. one. Well, and he talked about that. Did you ever read anything? So he's like putting on that weight was super fun. It was so, he was so, it was so hard for him to get, lose it. Like he did it fast, but it was like his, the worst experience of his life. He hated having to lose uh, all that weight. Uh, listen, putting weight on is always easy. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I'm doing it right now. Believe it or not, as we sit here, I'm putting on a little weight. It's like it's easy. Did you drink? Did you day drink? No, I wish I did. Okay. Sure really you gotta tell me if you're day drinking so I can join. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you just Nancy says to stop ruining my childhood. <laughs> oh yes, Nancy. I'm sorry. Welcome though. <laughs> well, I do you watch F is for family? I do. I do. Okay. Well, I'm not going to digress, but we'll get to that because there's Evan family, the DJ guy who's the neighbor, who's mm-hmm. like Matthew McConaughey. He's like oh, a yeah. Matthew McConaughey, Wolfman Jack. Oh yeah. I, that he, That's a good character. I really like that. All right. All right. So should we go and it's, we were talking about Rob and that, you know, from, you know, uh, uh, Rob McElhinney uh, yeah. from, from uh, Always Sunny and that leads us perfectly into bringing on our guest, Brendan Gallagher, who's a journalist and a contributor to the Daily Dot. He's a writer for television, and we're just going to have him on, and we're going to talk to him right now about Mythic Quest and uh, why it's kind of an FYC show and kind of everything about it, right? Yeah. So let's bring on Brendan Gallagher right now, ladies and gentlemen, right? Are we good? Jason, Brendan Gallagher. Oh, Jason left. Hey, everybody. <laughs> What's How's up, Brendan? How you doing, man? Thanks for being here. Uh- I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I came on after Quaaludes because I was sort of born after that era and I feel like I missed out, you know? You did. You missed out greatly. You missed out. You really don't know if you could ever. I I, I missed out on them too, but I dream of those are the drug days I'd read about. Like I dream about them. I don't go back to the beatnik days. That's all heroin and very boring. I don't want to be in the 80s. It's way too much cocaine. And obviously, I'm a guy that doesn't need that kind of behavior. But the 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 late '70s lewd days are all I've ever dreamed about. If I was going to go back, we have a have a drug time machine. I started lewds when I was uh, when I was uh, eighth grade, and I went right up until I couldn't get them anymore. After I was like 19, the 714s, the lemon 714s. Around 1920, they just kind of dissipated into the ether. Anyone who knows where to get one, please come over. Best. You know, some people wish that they could have lived in the Victorian era. (laughs) <laughs> kind of had the big uh, top hats, and I just wish I could have been there, you know, like Big Lebowski's prime years and done some loot. So maybe there'll be a fantasy like uh, vacation I can do to do that someday. Okay, so it's interesting you say Big Lebowski because there's something about the show we're going to talk about, Mythic Quest, that reminds me of Coen Brothers' humor. You know, there's a certain sardonic um, uh, horribleness. 
you know, with the with with everything between the people, and yet they still find this love. So let's let's break into Mythic Quest. Well, why don't you start off and tell us what you think, and let's kind of rip it apart and see why it should be nominated for everything or not. Yeah, totally into it. I mean, I agree with you. There's a sharpness to it. But one thing that surprised me was also there's real sweetness to it. And I think that's what reminds me of the Coens as well. Uh, you know, going in, I'm like, okay, it's the always sunny guys and Megan Gans, who's known for community. But, you know, Megan Gans also did Modern Family. And I felt that kind of like sweetness to the show, like a workplace comedy. It almost reminded me of like what you'd see in the 90s, like Wings or News Radio in some ways. And I mm, thought that mix of like a sweet emotional tone with some sharpness, like a more modern sharpness was something I hadn't seen before. And I guess I thought it might be more crude or more um, biting. And it was kind of sweet in a way that I really enjoyed. So Megan Gantz, uh, let's get it straight, right? The creators are Rob and Megan, right? Charlie Day has a creator credit too, um, but he doesn't have that many writing credits. So those two guys from Always Sunny and then Megan Gantz who, she wrote on It's Always Sunny for a while. She wrote on Community for a while. She wrote on Last Man on Earth for a while and Modern Family. So she's like a big shot. All the good comedies, she's like on that? them. Yeah, could you be bigger? I mean, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, what um, else could she write on? <laughs> you know, I mean, exactly. Like, you know, she pretty much probably does whatever she wants. But what are we looking at with the Emmys? You think we're looking at, uh, you know, best comedic? You know, how are you seeing it break down? Uh, for best show, I think it's in the mix. I mean, my favorite comedy of the year was probably what we do in the shadows, but I think this is up there for me. Um, and as far as maybe like a supporting actor nod for F Murray Abraham, I thought he's so funny as this, uh, washed up sci-fi writer trying to make sense of video games. And he'll just like kind of muse on the old days. I mean, he would be given a Quaaludes monologue or like a hippie monologue, you know, and, uh, the way he interacts with all these younger, actors is like really amazing so to me he's the standout performance and don't get me wrong rob is amazing as always but uh, i found myself quoting f murray abraham's lines like right after i finished watching the episodes okay but let's talk about uh the woman who plays poppy because i think you know chances are which kind of sucks she'll probably get passed over which i don't even like to say let's say let's not say that i would love to not see her get passed over because i thought that was one of the best arc performances I'd seen in a long time uh, with a lot of emotional depth. But what are your thoughts on her and if she'll get one? Uh, I'm with you on that. You know, uh, I work in TV drama. I just came off a show that just came out called Warrior Nun. And so I'm watching a lot of dramas and it reminded me of the dynamic. She and Rob kind of had the Peggy and Don dynamic from Mad Men. Mm -hmm. And they kind of used a similar plotting where she's talented. She feels by him. She's going to eclipse him as he jealous of her. Is she jealous of him? Sort of like a workplace, will they won't they? And they did that really well. And I thought it was really interesting how they were able to hit a lot of dramatic beats you see across an hour-long workplace show in nine half-hour episodes because their 10th episode is kind of not in the same arc as the rest of the season. And what she achieved yeah. emotionally through those was really cool. And I think if she does get the nod, I think that would be well kind of over the time. And I hear she might get passed over because it's not a flashy performance and right. she's not someone like Margot Martindale or Allison Janney who you just are used to seeing. And I find that the Emmys tend sure. to not always recognize those. It's like Golden Globes and Oscars love a young, like new actress. The yeah. Emmys like a seasoned actress, like a Connie Britton who's been around for a long time. And that might be what works against her if she doesn't get a nomination. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, as far as directing goes, that that quarantine episode was uh, I think that gets a directing nod for sure for uh, best director. I would think so. I mean, for me, uh, I was really thinking that there was not going to be any good material made based on Zoom calls and iPhones during quarantine. And they really did it. I mean, it lends itself to it because it's organic that they would all be on Zoom together and trying to work during quarantine. And I love that, like, the Rob's character was making fun of, like, the Imagine videos and, like, celebrity detachment from this while it was happening. And then the Poppy character is, like, every young professional who's like, I can't work now. What do I do? I'm a millennial and my entire life is work. And for the first time, I have to live with myself. And those two (laughs) ideas and the way they crossed was just so amazing. And the uh, choreography down to the very end of that episode, they really used Zoom to their advantage. And I think we're going to see a lot of stuff come out subsequently. Like, is Zoom like forced upon rather than organically part of the creative expression of the episode? And to your point, it would make sense for a directing nod there. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting about that is if you really look at it with Megan Gantz being one of the creators and a very strong, you know, you kind of hear her voice. Modern Family set up the Zoom episode in season eight or whatever it was with the iPhone episode from the airport. And I would be actually curious if Megan Gantz wrote that episode and she just stole from herself in this one because she has a writing credit on the on the quarantine. Right. That's a great point. And also, you know, community, I watched all the pre Yahoo era community and they often did conceptual stuff, whether it was like, oh, the water gun fight is like the Vietnam War or uh, <laughs> doing the episode. And so I think she's used to like formal constraints that make you more creative, you know, and mm-hmm. I think you saw that a lot in this season. I thought the two standout episodes for me, that final episode and the episode where uh nazis have invaded the uh game and you get a lot of like in the the fictional game scenes that impact the real world and i think when the game is like a living character in the show is when yes. it really works well yeah because you're able to kind of uh, uh ride the tide of what's going on in humanity and in the current situation whether it's news or politics or religion and use it in the MMORP idea where everyone's playing so everyone's responding and they're responding in a trend that is what's going on so i think they did that very successfully to your point but will that yeah, be I enough can... to get all the nods yeah it's a hard thing well, i just think there's a lot of good i mean I say this as a drama writer, but I think there's a lot more exciting comedy out there right now. I mean, I don't remember if Barry qualifies or not. Like I said, what we do in the shadows is really good. And there's a lot of these like uh, Rami and those other ones, the sort of uh, half hour autobiographical sitcoms Mm -hmm. out there. And so I just think it's like a really exciting space. And a lot of these shows are really topical, but I will say like that sort of like, what do you do about Nazis and what do you do about diversity question and the way they answered both in one episode and kind of made fun of conservatives, but then made fun of liberals and made fun of progressives all at once. That's the kind of writing that I think the Academy might reward because it's taking shots at everyone and really looking at the whole landscape of what's going on. So I don't know. They, they did a great job of being topical, but keeping it interesting and funny. And I, I think there's no reason they shouldn't be contenders in a lot of these major categories. Listen, I'd love to disagree with you. The only problem is, and let me ask you what you think, and I was talking, I can't remember who else we were talking to about this, but we we have this overarching feeling that Apple is not putting forth anything. Like, they're not even trying to get nominations. 
Yeah, well, that that's an interesting thing. Like, and the, the the weird thing about that is, you know, I read the trades like everybody in LA does, and you still can't get a good sense of who's spending what money where. You know the trades, that you read them. You still read. Them. I say six yeah. minutes to read. Six minutes to read. Six months to get over. Yes, yes. I, I should say <laughs> I read the. I read the tweets they post. Um, <laughs> they're they're often trying to like get in there and figure out who's spending what money on these campaigns, and they really can't seem to do it. I mean, Netflix and Amazon must be spending money because you see you hear at lavish oh, parties yeah. and, and this and that. And yeah, it seems like Apple wasn't that interested. Another thing I'd say about Apple is like they don't seem to be clear on what of their shows are the strongest. Like I thought Dickinson was a much stronger show than morning show. Just going to bring that up to you that Dickinson to me was excellent. How this is not being talked about is a little beyond. And that's all I can think of is uh, they may not know what they have because all their promotional materials, when they first launched, it was morning show and it was C, which are, you know, fine. But Dickinson to me was special. Like I thought it was, it's one of the best written shows on the directing was really interesting. Top the show. writing. Yeah. Everything. Across the it, board. Was, it felt very yeah. reminiscent of Baz Luhrmann and what he did with Romeo and Juliet in that first moment where you realize Baz Luhrmann was a storyteller and a visual storyteller and a musical storyteller. I feel like we got all of that here at once in watching that, that show. Oh, we burned through the whole first season in like two days. And that episode where, they have the dance and it looks like it's going to be a pyramid da- a period dance. And then they go into like a hip hop dance and they're doing yes. drugs. So it kind of makes sense. And then she oh, has hallucinations. Who oh, um, what rapper who played that on that. Was it Wiz Khalifa? It was Wiz Khalifa or Nas. It was one of them. Look it up. And and, uh, they had the chariot. I mean, but that was the thing. They brought all the intersections, like the crossroads of culture and uh, pop culture and history. And it was like Hmm. a way actually in this post-literate society, I thought kids could actually understand who Emily Dickinson was. And, And that's a part of it too, is like making it relevant, like really drilling into like women are still dealing with, being frustrated because of society's expectations of them. And for Elena Smith, that showrunner to say, let me show you someone who transcended that over a century ago. And to let that excite you uh, was really powerful. So yeah, to me, that was easily a top five show of the year. It was Wiz Khalifa, by the way, Jason, thank you that, uh, that played uh, death and and Emily Dickinson and, and look, Haley Steinfeld, wasn't she nominated for an Oscar at a very young age for true grit or did she win? I One of the two. She definitely was nominated. Was nominated. Yep, for True Grit, the the Coen Brothers, where we started this. And you do you see the tone? C, correct me about this, or I don't know if you know. C was created by the Peaky Blinders creator. Is that correct? You know, I I am Jason, friendly with. Can the check rule. it out. Hey, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, that we so, have to yeah ask the researchers on that one. Right, we will. But we did not. I, I did not relate at all to that show, and I live for Peaky Blinders. So I'm interested to know. But I feel like they don't know what they have. You're not wrong, but are we seeing any kind of push? And do you think that they, like, how do you not push Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell? How do you not push any of these shows? I, I'm interested to see what they want to do. And, you know, more broadly, I kind of am wondering if Apple knows what they're trying to achieve more broadly with the platform. I mean, there's been a lot of criticism of Disney's rollout of their platform, but to me, they're doing what Disney does. You can see all the classic movies they have, you can get something big like The Mandalorian. They're not going to rush out material that's not family-friendly into their brand. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Netflix that's like, we're just going to flood the zone and make all sorts of stuff of all kinds of stuff and see what sticks. 
And I really am hard pressed to understand, like, it's the same thing I felt about Quibi. It's like, what's the strategy? What do you want me to feel about this? And I mean, you know, we're guys who watch everything. And if we don't know, I can't imagine like the average consumer who just stumbled on Apple TV because their iPhone ad told them is going to be into it. And I I say, I have friends in the business who are writers or directors or actors. And I was like, you should watch uh, Mythic Quest. You can watch Dickinson. And they say, I don't have Apple TV Plus. I'm like, well, if they don't have it, Right. Are people watching this? You know? Yeah. And is that even their goal? I'm not sure if it's just a selling tool and they have so much excess cash because they did stumble upon a couple of really great shows. And, Mm. you know, I don't know if we're going to get the recognition on these shows that will get us another season from them. Like Mythic Quest, I feel we will. Mm. Yeah. You have to imagine if you're in business with the Always Sunny guys. I mean, the, the track record of that show is so great that they should get another shot. I mean, the only time I can think of like a huge hit that didn't come back was a uh, bastard executioner that Kurt Sutter did after sons of anarchy was so poorly received that went away really fast. But usually if you do a hit, like always sunny, they're going to stick with you. And I think it's good. It's good. And it, I think that comedy is moving towards a lot of this sort of dramedy, like not hitting the same joke beats, sort of coming of age story stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I like about Mythic Quest is it's a traditional, it's the kind of thing you might've seen on uh, NBC or Comedy Central like five, seven years ago. And I think mm-hmm. as a result, it's unique. And I think people that want that fun workplace comedy that is sardonic, but also uplifting are going to be there for this. And also I think, you know, Gamers are really underserved in like TV. I, and it's interesting, like TV writers are writing more and more for games. Twitch is becoming more of a thing. And I think that's where stuff is going. And I think Mythic Quest might be just ahead of the curve there. And I wonder, you know, these streaming services never release their numbers, but I have to imagine that this is doing well for them, both uh, critically and in terms of audiences. So here's a question. And I just, I've seen every episode of Always Sunny, but I don't know this because I don't really follow uh, the award shows too much. Have they, they've won Emmys, right? Oh, that's a nominated. great question. I feel I like they've been nominated for that. writing. I feel okay, like because, writing they've had. Because I'm wondering if the Emmy voters have something about the show or about Rob and Charlie, because they keep making amazing stuff, but I'm not seeing the, the match in the noms or awards. You know, I, I hesitate to like do armchair psychology of the Academy, but I think, I think here I <laughs> kind of can. Jason just yeah, let's see. something for us. Okay. So they have nominee. No wins. No, no wins. And only Winner, a couple of. Yep. Wait, go ahead. Yeah. I, I believe that. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, you know, for if me. If you want, I can read it through real quick. If it's hard yeah, to please, read. Please, Jason. That's they been nominated for outstanding stunt coordination several times. Um, uh, Charlie Day was nominated for best actor. Um, then, um, and that's that's the Emmy. So they've only been nominated. Wow, that's it. Yeah, they've won best supporting huh. actor from the online film and television. Uh, they've won um, best poster from Muse Creative Awards. Uh, they've got a People's Choice Award for favorite. <laughs> comedy and they've got a satellite award for um best television series comedy or musical and everything else is a nominee that is messed up but that now might give us some insight into what we're going to see with mythic quest maybe there's an enemy you were saying before we got a side rail there with that very interesting information that you're hesitant to be an armchair psychologist but 
Well, um, you know, I think that It's Always Sunny has two things going against it. One, its style is like very crude. Like it's a kind of gross, dirty show in its tone, which I love. But, you know, it reminds me of South Park, which didn't always get love in its prime. And also like a South Park, like Simpsons, it's just gone on for so long. I think it's sort of like people uh, think it's always going to be there. And I find that in the comedy categories, they kind of sometimes like to go with uh, fresh, fresh faces to give nominations to. And then there is a show that has a veneer of prestige like Veep that's going to clean up year in, year out. Mm -hmm. But I think a show like Always Sunny, um, it's almost deceptively simple when you watch. You're like, oh, it's guys hanging out in a bar being funny. But if you do sit down and watch it, especially, you know, a number of seasons of it, you realize how brilliant the show really is. But I think it's underappreciated and I think it will go down as one of the great sitcoms in history, but it may, you know, have an empty award shelf uh, along the way. Yes. I, I think that one, one thing, the other thing, the mythic quest, Megan Gans got some heat right now too. Like people are loving on her a lot. I think that she has she's a really awesome. good chance. She is awesome. And she's got she a lot of stuff under her belt and she's won an award for modern family. Modern family's gone. This is her next big thing. So this sad. is her kind of almost, she's not showrunner, but she might as well be. She's a big part of that creative process on this. I could see, that writer award happening. I would love that. That would be, at least if there's some acknowledgement to the accomplishments that are being made over there. Uh, I don't think we're getting anything for Dickinson though, huh? It's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, anyone see thing, it? Is, it, is it a comedy or a drama you think for, if it were to compete? Dra uh, uh, comedy. Comedy. I think it's a comedy. Yeah. I would, that's what I would imagine. Cause I think it's, as I recall, a half hour format. So that's where I would put it. But I think it is one of those shows that, maybe award givers don't know what to do with like i know it won a peabody and peabodies are just sort of like this is a good thing so you can give it to that but when you break down like what is this show and that's what excites me about it because you know you guys know tv like even great shows a lot of times i can look at it and go oh it's a meets b it's such and such a oh, show yes. set in such and such a place and that's how you sell stuff when you pitch stuff this meets that sure. and with dickinson like yeah, we can say it's like a Baz Luhrmann thing or it's kind of like the favorite or, you know, I guess it's the favorite meets freaks and geeks kind of. And it's like, I've never seen that before. And, and that doesn't even describe the dream sequence, uh, hallucination yeah. aspects, you know? So yeah. uh, to me, it's, some, it's, a, it's a weird thing to get a nomination. You want to be just fresh enough seeming, you know, and maybe <laughs> Dickinson is like kind of too bold, uh, too right. adventurous to get in that, uh, award space. But again, I feel like maybe we fall into that with Mythic Quest. You know, it is a little bold. It is very adventurous. And, you know, they're using the backdrop of MMORP video games to really talk about everything in culture. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think the, again, the way they interact with the game and the way the game exists seems very simple. But, you know, we know that that's really complicated. And uh, it, it may not be something they appreciate that uh, they've made the, the game has its own stories that unfold and they're not a B or C plots. They're its own thing that's strung through the season. And that's really impressive. And I imagine like they had to pay animators or developers to like create yeah. all that stuff. Um, and it's yeah. so impressive, but to your point, it just may not be something that's going to uh, ring bells for voters. Jace. Oh, nothing. I was just, I was going to comment on that. The Ubisoft was a big part of this whole process. So if you've ever been to, not that, you guys would have been uh, to Ubisoft's offices. Those offices very much resemble what that that office. In Toronto. Uh, no, San Francisco. 
Oh, so Ubisoft. They, they're in Canada originally. There, there's, there's a Canada office, but the main office is, um, and, and there's another one in San Francisco where a lot of the work gets done. Uh, and all those CGI uh, create are all creations from Ubisoft. Those are all like out, basically outsourced uh-huh. game um, engine videos that they've created. Not necessarily for this, but if you watch it, it's very much Assassin's Creed with new an- art assets. And that's what all those things are. Huh. Smart. Yeah, it's it's very smart. They they've done a lot of smart things. And and Jason, well, Jason just left again, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like before this pandemic happened in the storyline, they had the River of Blood that was being infested. Right? They had their own pandemic in the game. Yep, which was very convenient for that last episode. That's the, the I mean, that's really a part of it. It's like now they have something that actually lines up really, really close in the game. With what's going on? Yeah, in a weird sort of way, they did. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know again is that too bold? Is that too uh, cutting edge to really go? You know what? Let's give them the nod because they deserve it. They deserve, to me they deserve it across the board. I feel like the uh, Poppy deserves best actor, you know, actress in a comedy, and uh, Rob deserves best actor. I feel like F Murray deserves best supporting in a comedy, best show. Uh, I'd like to see a best writing and a best directing. Now that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, to me, it's definitely in that top tier of comedies this year. Uh, like I said, if I'm thinking about the, the best shows, I can't get more than two or three before I get to this show. You know, for me, Wolf in the Shadows and Barry are sort of like the best things on right now. And this is right there for me in terms of quality. Like I said, it's uh, has heartwarming moments that those shows don't have. It has heart and the structure that Megan Gann's structure is there and so you can set your watch by the structure of these episodes, which I think counts for something. So I'm right there with you. Yep. All right. You got any uh, last questions, Jason? Uh, I just, uh, I was laughing at uh, Dylan. Uh, Riley put a comment. I, I don't think there's a hotter American poet than Emily Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> she's just really cracked me up. Um, she's definitely not hotter than Yeah, not, and like, hot, like, I don't know if it means hotter, like, like uh, looks wise or just like, Emily Dickinson's so hot right now, you know, like Lou Zoolander. Like, no, no, everybody's reading like sad bastard poetry in their room right now. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think Dylan Thomas might give her a run for the money, but I think it's neck and neck. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. So, um, anything, Jace? You got anything else? No, no, I I agree with you. I think what we do in Shadows and, you know, Barry, I think Pound for Pound was my favorite comedy so far this year. These are veterans, Alec Berg, right? I mean, uh-huh. you're talking about veterans that are that are really sweeping into these best shows for for yeah. us, right? Right. And what'd you say, Barry? Barry, what we do in Shadows, which is Tika, yeah. and then and but this show is great, and Megan Gans is great, and you know, um, she is really, you know, she may have kind of started off with that story circle of Dan Harmon's, but she's really made something of her own, and she has her own style now. And I'm really impressed where she's taking everything. Me so I, I really want to see a, a best writer nod for that. Also, Rick and Morty, obviously, we're gonna, um, you know, that's another one on that comedy block. Me. But Rick and Morty is another one. It just it's good so consistently, and you know, not to butter anybody up, it really is always so good. And sometimes those animated shows, you forget they're so good for so long. You know, yeah, that's right. Totally. That's right. All right, Brendan. Well, thank you for being here and having this discussion, and uh, we'll see what happens when the noms come out. Hey, pleasure was all mine, guys. Thanks so much for having all me. Right. And yeah, I can't wait to hear uh, who gets the nods. Thank you, Brendan. Yeah, we'll we'll bring it back when we do. Absolutely. Look forward to it, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Have man. A great one. You too. Whew. All right. Well, I hope we get nods for it, but listen, it's not paying my rent, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know th- that was one of those shows. Like, I, I honestly, you know, you you told me to watch it, and I it was at a point where I'm like, I'm out of content anyway, so I want to. <laughs> 
but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it was going to be as fun as it was. And I actually wanted to, I, you know, have you ever watched a show, but you kind of wanted to hate it before it even started? You're like, I don't know. I was not necessarily sure. Like Apple has not um, blown me away with some of the other stuff. I know that, you know, I didn't love the things that I watched. I watched C and and all that stuff when I first started. Did you see Dickinson? I started it, but I didn't finish it. Um, and it wasn't, uh, I probably will get into it now, but like, I just wasn't sure when I first started. Um, but this was one of those ones where it's like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then I started watching. It's like, Oh, this is great. You know, cause I read what I read was a lot of like comparisons to community. I read a lot of comparisons to huh. Dan Harmon and that, that side of it with Megan and stuff and, okay. and Danny Pudi being in it. And so I wanted to not, I didn't want to give it the credit it, it earned and deserved right off the bat. Cause like, Oh, well I know what community is. I'm uh, Dan Harmon, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> right. Brand loyalty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, I get it. And, uh, but listen, it won you over. So almost immediately. Right. There's something to the way they write. And I think Megan's uh, uh, voice added to, you know, the masculine uh, kind of aggressiveness that right. is, is, is Charlie and Rob's, you know, kind of staple. And that's not who they are as people, by the no. way, but they have a wonderful brand they've built. And oh, then yeah. you bring Megan in and you yeah. get this leveled out little softness and family and yep. uh, old guy, young guys like Ed O'Neill and uh, you know, the rest of them in modern family. Now yeah. you have F Murray Abraham and these guys. Yeah. Very similar aspects. Well, and I think the other part of it, and just talking about this and talking about FX and, you know, and all the different FX shows, including always sunny, this all came, um, became available on the heels of devs, a very serious show with a main character that didn't, that, that was also a, a female short hair, you know, they didn't, they, they're not the same person and they're not even the same character, but the like same hoodie glasses, uh, female coder style kind of thing. And so I'm coming in off this very deep, serious show that I loved, like it's probably my favorite drama, one of my favorite dramas so far in 2020. And and then walking into this, seeing that same character in a comical situation, I was also kind of like, Oh no. And then, but but again, it was just because I didn't have that mindset. Right. But it, you know, it, totally built its own thing, you know, and then on the, and then right after the show was, uh, upload with another female character, short hair, glasses, hoodie. Oh, well, wait, now oh, let's get into it. How about uh halt and catch fire? Mackenzie, uh, what's her mm-hmm. name? Short blonde hair, uh, hoodie glasses, same exact look. Why did every woman coder have to have short I hair and glasses? Like the, I think that's the, the, the archetype that they put everybody in, you know? Right. And, so when you see that same exact look, which isn't a big deal, they do it for guys too. The guy is also the skinny, dark hair, kind of like always looks down, never goes anywhere. Hoodie, brooding, brooding you know, same. There's, the, there's, a, there's an equivalent to the guy. It was just really weird seeing like three shows, same basic person, you know, archetype structure, you know, dark hair, glasses, you know. Um, and so it's like, well, I don't know, like, I don't know if that, that character is like supposed to share some of the similar you know, attributes because we put them all in the exact same costume. It felt a little, it was just a little tougher. Right. But meanwhile, one you over. And that's a problem though, is Apple TV. I think Apple TV is where we're going to see these problems because when you see shows like we're about to start talking about, which I can't wait, which is Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story, you see a larger scope. You see it out in the universe. People are having conversations about it. And Apple TV is not succeeding on that level. by dropping the viewer in the middle of the argument or the middle of the conversation. Right. Well, it's, it's this thing that Apple does. Like anybody who has iPhone has Apple TV, right? Apple plus basically who bought an iPhone this year, or whatever 
they basically have 20, 12 to 24 months worth of free Apple TV. Plus, mm-hmm. Well, that's a quite a few people, but it's just one of those things that's there. You don't even necessarily know you have it. And if you don't have an Apple, uh, like a little Apple TV hockey puck or a Roku, my, my Roku, I can watch Apple TV, but that's the, those are the places. Like, right. you're not going to know. You're not even going to realize. And I, I think that there's, there's a weird awareness problem that with Apple and, you know, to an extent what happened with YouTube Red, where these, these, these bigger players that are more technology-focused don't really put a push towards letting people know what the, about their creative options. And it's just like kind of left there, and they're, they're, they're so busy because what their play is is, more. I, I need to sell more hardware, I need to sell more this so I can get more iTunes, and then eventually people just kind of become aware of it. I wouldn't doubt that the, right. the, there, there's not a real push for, towards Apple TV Plus until two years down the line when they have a bigger catalog, because that's the... Biggest, my biggest complaint with Apple TV Plus, uh, Amazon too. Um, Dylan just uh, Dylan came back uh, to asking right. about Amazon. Put Same Amazon. thing. I don't think most people realize that there's this whole awesome thing, but there's awesome shows. The Boys, The Tick, uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Upload um, are just first season of Hannah. The second season of Hannah, yeah. I, I, it was grueling. I couldn't yeah. even start yeah. watching it. I'm sorry, I couldn't. Uh, I, I haven't watched it. Um, oh. It looks um, oh. like a lot. Um, but there's oh, and by the way, Bosch, yeah. Bosch is fantastic. Yeah. They've had a lot of great stuff on there. I mean, they're transparent was on there. There's, there's lots of stuff, but people don't realize. And it's like the one thing I have to complain about the Apple catalog, especially compared to the Amazon, because Amazon came with like a more of a Netflix style thing when it, that, where you could buy movies is right. that to me, there's not a big enough catalog. There's four shows on, on Apple TV plus basically maybe six, right? They launched with not enough content content and so it's almost like i'm i'm here i don't want you really to look at me but i'm available you know i'm soft open there's gonna we got a couple things available but in general you know mm. disney can get away with that you right know, because they have such a big catalog yeah they have all you know because you know they're like there's no new shows but you could watch cinderella a hundred million times and that's all your kid wants to do anyway like <laughs> I got, if i got access to moana you know who needs hamilton right because you know we got you get your uh, sorry <laughs> No, 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 no. Let's 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 let's, uh, let's get back into let's get back into no, no, no. Because if we get back into Hamilton, then we're not. I mean, well, yeah, uh, maybe we save Hamilton for the end. Maybe we'll talk about him Friday, we and hope. we uh, we we get into the uh, Betty Broderick. Let's get into Betty Broderick. I yeah. I'm excited. Um, this is this is the penultimate episode. Is that? Yeah. Well, I think it is. Right. We got one more. Is there eight or ten? I can't. I can't imagine. Um, I feel like it's eight. I we, there could be ten, but uh, uh, it felt like. It very, it I hope felt, there's ten. Yeah, I felt it felt very much like a. Um, yeah, next to the last. Next to the last kind of thing. It was very deep. I mean, this one, this one really, uh, this one really got into her becoming despondent, where mm-hmm. you started to see the the demise of her mental faculties. So, what what did you think? What what did you and Steph think? What, talk to me. So I feel like like I've set set an expectation to be um, in my house to just be on the opposite side of everything. And I don't think me and my wife actually have a completely disparate view of what's going on. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it only took you 38 minutes to say Hamilton. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, So, so you start watching this thing and it's like, you know, it, you know, there's still an ongoing fight in our house, and um, I, that I don't like. I almost want to bring up less than Hamilton is, is is the girlfriend, or it's the new wife, right? Linda Cocaine, and where Linda is in the whole thing, and you know, like at a certain point, like at what point do you go? Well, it's not Linda's fault anymore. Like Linda's just, uh, 
you know, kind of a victim in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at a certain point, like, yeah, but I, you know, so watching her kind of just go, you know, what, fuck it. I understand. I empathize with that situation. Like I've been treated like shit for days, but you also see like, all right, I'm going to put the voicemail back up on there. Like it, she is still, she does. She's past the point of trying to be understanding and trying to be kind of like the silent person in the background, letting, letting uh, the husband deal with all this stuff. And is now right. being kind of an active participant and like, all right, I'm going to egg her on too, because I'm tired of being, I want my right. power back in this relationship, which is not a good look for her. But at the same time, like you want, you empathize a little bit with that, you know, she, she listen, you do, but she took that. I, I get why she reacted. Yes. Linda is reacting. Linda is reacting to what's happening. And at what point do you realize you're dealing with a psychotic human being and you don't want to provoke them anymore? Right. You know, like, how are you not aware that a person who breaks into your house and starts swinging hammers into the walls or, you know, comes and steals your wedding list and then starts making phone calls to the people on the list is not an absolute psychotic. And then, by the way, mom's got a gun. Yeah, That I'm happened kidding. also. Oh, you know, and, and that's the other part of it. You know, we talked a little bit about this uh, today. Um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was young and it was weird and it's hard and it's not something, you know, you, there's a lot of personal stuff to that. And there's a lot of emotions of not just the kids, but the, the, the other parents. So I don't want to get too far into it, but like watching her not, mani- not maybe I don't think intentionally manipulators uh, her son, but really kind of like lean into like this despondent behavior and really making her son feel guilty for you know, what he just for existing and living and having uh, a dad that sh- that's gone really affected Steph. And I, I, I could see that, but it, but it also brought me back to a point. And I'm not saying I felt this way in my relate, my family's great and all that stuff, but I understand that I empathize with that feeling of like, I love this person. I love this person, but those two people right now aren't connected. And, and it, it's a very negative situation and feeling very despondent between the two, you know? Right. Well, what do you do? You know, yeah. and and I think that that was the so it, it's notable that the son only told the dad about the gun. Did Linda know? Did she know before she changed the answering machine back? Right, because we do know that Christian Slater likes to keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he did not seem very concerned that she got a gun. The way he played it, his choices, and he's great. Uh, you know, but it was an interesting choice. Right. Maybe he was trying not to get the kid concerned. Right. But then if he was concerned, wouldn't he have had the conversation with Linda that there's a gun? And then at that point, go put the, if you were able to get back in the house and put the notebook, all right, let's talk about the notebook. So Betty goes in, steals the list. Right. Okay. Wait, let me stop for a second. The shot of her putting her foot up in the air and then sinking it into the carpet. Like it was like crossing over that line. Right. Right. Crossing that threshold. Like this is me. I'm, 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 I'm going all the way through. I'm, I'm in. And she looked so happy when she landed on the other side of the carpet over the threshold of the door. It creeped me the fuck out. I mean, I was like, and then I didn't realize she took the wedding list. That was what it was, right? Right. So she took the wedding list and then she starts calling people on it and telling them they're not invited and going berserk. So Linda goes in, breaks into her house, which was open. Right. So it's trespassing, not breaking and entering. And steals her journal and brings it home and starts. You don't want to hear Christian says like, no, which I was surprised that he didn't want to hear any of it. Well, I, I, I have a theory on that. 
Uh-huh. And I think this is true of a lot of people. And it, you know, and it's true about me to a point. Like, I don't like reading comments on the podcast or if there's like stuff going wrong or if like people that the people don't like, not, not my, not even like this podcast, any podcast. In like, general. in general, it's hard for me to go through all the criticism, some real, some not without getting angry or mad. But mm-hmm. also, if something's real, like if I know something's going on, you know, like, oh, I know that this is a problem. And they're like, and then they're just like, it's just right there in front of me and I have to read it. Right. it it affects me. I think that that's part of it. I wouldn't want to hear it because this is there's there's a little there's probably something in there that hits a little too close to true. Something that really is going to sting him inside because he knows that she's not she's crazy. She's driven mad at this point, but she also has some points and there's probably some you know culpability in there that he's not ready to face. And yeah, she's driven mad by what he's done to her. Now she listen. She was obviously mentally disabled to begin with. If she, you know. But she got driven pretty mad, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I get you. It's like if I get a butt dial, uh-huh. right? And I hear so like, you know, like if you call me and then you're talking with Steph, I hang up right away. Yeah. Like, or if there's a voicemail left on a butt dial, I just fast forward it right. I don't want to hear if you're talking about me. Yeah, exactly. Some shit. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Just so you know, every time I dolly with my butt, it's because I want you to hear what I say about you. you right. Know, and that's why you know, I, I hope Pierce this is like, oh. Click. Me and Clifford going. <laughs> okay, so he tells her to put it back, but that's okay. Now, that's the decision. Linda goes. She manages to get back in the house when she's not home, and put the journal back. And she could have just put it back in the normal spot. No, but she decided to make it very clear that that she was there. Yeah, left it on the doorstep, like on the stairs, like just facing her. And I thought that was such an interesting choice that the director and the writers made about having her read hear the journal being read in their voices and laughing yeah because i, I mean and, and it tripped me out it's a great yeah. way to do it because that's really what she's hearing inside her head yeah and that's all that matters yeah but the secret right. thing did you know that she like again i don't know anything about the actual crime you know this is all right. fantasy like uh, fiction to me as far as right. i know you know uh though i imagine it's a true story yeah yeah no i th- yeah i i don't know and that um what's what's I, nice i is don't that- want to once we get through this story, we'll bring Stephanie on and Stephanie will be our expert. She knows all about all and she's, she's an up and coming TikTok celebrity anyway. So but the real stuff, the real stuff. So she can Fantastic. tell And then we yeah. can dissect it once it's over. I love that. I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, but in not knowing, I certainly didn't know that she woke up, left her child sleeping in the bed next to her to go to the house to kill them. Not, yeah. What? Crazy. And, and what did you think about that choice? Not to show it. Well, I thought that they're going to show it next week. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I mean, mm-hmm. like if they don't show it next week, I'm not into that choice. No, I feel like it's a cop out. I feel like everything you've done up till now, and I'm not saying they're doing that, but right. I, I would feel like that's a major, major cop out. To not, yeah. So, uh, you know, because I'm going to play a little bit of just guessing how next week goes. I'm imagining next week's a courtroom, like kind of the finale of this whole courtroom thing. So we're going to see a lot of stuff in like telling through uh, a trial of some sort. If and, if and if next week's the next, like my only fear, if, if there's no more episodes after this week is it feels like it took a long time to figure out how we got here and it's not going to spend a lot of time on, on a resolve, which maybe that's, that maybe that's the point. Well, that's why I feel like there are going to be 10 episodes. Yeah. I, I, and I, I feel, I do want to see them show it in some way. Uh, Stephanie, I, I want to see, them show this murder as uh, kind of coldly 
and calculate it as they would in court transcripts per mm -hmm. se. You know, like let's see, because we already know they spent seven strong episodes building this emotionality. Yeah. And this breakdown and the gaslighting. So yeah, if they don't show us mm -hmm. now, if they end up showing us next week, then I think this week was fantastic. Yep. Yeah. What a great lead in all the phone calls and everyone answering. Hey, Betty, what? Right. They're what? And then that last moment of the lawyer getting in the car and yeah. being like, we should go there. Uh, there, 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 uh, we should yeah. like, you know, he's going to well, say they're and, dead. And that's what I want, you know, I want to find out later. I don't want to know now, but like she really call everybody and just say, Hey, Oh, I did this thing. I would, this, <laughs> you know, she go around and like use the same wedding phone. number. like, <laughs> did she call from the house? Yeah. And where are the daughters? Like, I can't wait to find all this out, you yeah. know, like, cause they have four kids. Yeah. Well, but the daughters don't spend time with her. It seems. No, I mean, yeah, it seems like they're a little bit older and they can get away and all that stuff. Right. The other part about it too is like, I feel like this is the, you know, obviously this is the tipping point in the story, but I don't feel like it's truly the climax or the point of the story. So I'm interested in these next couple episodes. It's just, cause it's really about Betty. I, like after this, how does she react? What is, you know, I would love to see an episode that's just her in jail, you know, and yeah. how she behaves and what she thinks of all this stuff post all this, you know, like, well, well, I think they told us uh, something really important because the second her head hit the pillow, she slept. All her problems are gone. Yeah. She couldn't live with those two being alive. I felt like once they were dead, oh, someone said something, Betty confessed. Yeah. Someone posted Betty confessed to her. Oh. On the show. On the show, right. So, uh, listen, I feel like she's, she's completely relaxed now. Yeah. But like so everything's gone. Isn't that what they say? Like you can, you know, you put two people Second in jail and the, and the person who, uh, you know, and the person who did it is the one that sleeps soundly because they finally are at the end of a very stressful thing and they can finally let relax because there's not every yeah. weight of the world on them. And that's what we saw when she laid her head down. It was like, she was home. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm home. It's over. Yeah. This whole nightmare is over. Like jail is probably nothing to her based on what she was going through. I don't I don't get what, what did Dylan say where Cliff and Betty what I maybe think of the Betty White meme about what they say when there's a mass shoot. No, I don't know what you're talking, I don't know about. He's talking about either. Betty what? Uh, I don't know. I, I sometimes I don't get stuff. Listen, I was I was viscerally. Like you could see it, like my body was cringing, like disturbed by it and. She shot these people in the house with the other kids there. She leaves the one kid in the bed. And here's the other thing that really got to me. You know, we've all either been that person or had that person in our life. They're just obsessed about the one fucking thing in there. Oh, I did three. This is my third F bomb today. Wow. I've been doing well. No PG I have to say, I'll, I'll, I'll shave one off tomorrow. So what was I saying? You were talking about, um, <laughs> oh, you were <laughs> See? now you lost it, right? I feel like I had a wonderful point. Will someone please tell me what I was talking about? <laughs> Cause I don't know now, but I'm, I, I guess I'm just going to say something else because I can't think of it. And I go, oh, wait, she seemed to care about anything other than revenge. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. So what I was saying is we've all either been that person or had that person in our life where they just have the one thing. And that's all they ever talk about. Every time you seem like, Oh, that person did this. And you're like, they really hit that to the maximum effect in this episode. Like, I think I've been that person. I, I definitely know many of those people. And I actually think I've been that person. Mm -hmm. So fixated and, on that yes. one piece. Yeah. And no one can help that. them. Mm -mm. 
they want to be there. Right. Well, there's, there's the only resolve that they have is the one thing that they can't get, right? Like the only other resolve other than murdering them both is for him to leave Linda. Right, and, and go back to... And go back to her and start the, and have the marriage go back. Those are only two options. There's no divorce option in there um, that would have worked for her. She was, she was set and this was going to be the solution. And so you can't, you can't solve her problem. There's not, a, there's not another way to make this better for her. Yeah, and that's, you're absolutely right. That, that really uh, uh, disseminates what I was saying is that there was no way to make this better for her. And I felt that that hit maximum impact in this episode. Yeah. Where I was nauseated, like, oh, you got to stop. Like, yeah. This is, you go to lunch, you show up at those people at the country club or whatever. You're like, oh, wherever they eat for lunch. You're like, I knew you'd be here. And then she's like, so did you hear about the whore? And it's like, oh my God, I'm yeah. just having some lunch. That is the most, like the preview for this episode. I was laughing. I've never heard the word whore said so many times on, 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 you know, cable <laughs> television or broadcast that many times just in the preview. It's like, they said whore like six times before the episode even started. Well, you're not wrong. And here's what I'm going to say. Also, I'm going to ask a question, actually. Do you like Linda Kulkana as an actress? Do you like what she's doing with the character? Yeah, I do, actually. I do. I like what okay. she's doing because she. you feel like you kind of, you know, we, I know that there was, this is probably the biggest, most controversial part within our, our uh, stuck at home family is Linda. Uh-huh. In general, but I do like what she's doing because she seems to come off in a couple different ways. One, she kind of comes off as, uh, you know, she come off as a homewrecker and we have that argument there, but she also comes off as somebody that's very smart. It's mm-hmm. also somebody that's trying to take a stand against a situation. Um, she also comes across as naive when she needs to. She's, you know, she's got a lot of different sides to her. She, she feels interestingly well-rounded considering she's a side character to a lot of what's going on. Okay, yeah. So what I'll say in uh, response to what you just said is that I really thought that I hated her as an actress. Mm. And what I realized after seven episodes last night is that she's that good. Is that I am just, she makes me so uncomfortable. I don't like seeing her. I feel like, and, and I started to realize that she's been touching upon my loyalty things. She's been hitting upon my little triggers. And that means she's a really good actor. Because I wasn't aware that she was doing it. I just thought I did not like her performance. Right. And I realized her performance was really, really well done. That's one of my favorite things about um, TV and movies in general is not liking somebody and then like having to realize a little bit later, like, I don't not like them. I don't like that character, but actually as a person, that means how good are they when you're like, oh, I hate when that character is, they're so annoying and they're so mean. I hate that guy. Oh, wait, you're sure now. I can't curse at all tomorrow. (laughs) I've lost both my uh, F-bombs for tomorrow. But you're right, Jason. You're absolutely right. We're like, guys, oh, well, that woman, every time she's on screen, I just want her to jump off a cliff. Like, no, no, they're that. They're doing something that's messing with you. And I feel like that's what Linda does. And isn't that the best thing you could do with a choice for that role? I I She really is the one who messes with everybody. She, you know. You know, it's funny. Um, my wife just put up something. Um, she said, you can feel Linda's frustration. I got to say pretty much team Linda all through this. We have a running joke in my house um, that I'm going to share with you guys, with the, everybody. Please yeah. do, but before you do, no one's team Betty, Steph. <laughs> Nobody's team Betty. Okay, no one is team Betty. Go I'm on, a, I, I, maybe a little. Um, <laughs> you just want to be contrarian. Yeah. Um, 
but uh there's this 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 thing that we have go like this this uh the running joke we have is like there's no divorce i we either die of old age together or i i end up in a box but that's the only way i'm getting out of this um and so it's really funny to me because like with this she's like i understand linda i understand linda i was like yeah but if i but i'm the dead man if this ever goes which is also true because it's the guy's fault really at the end of the day it's the husband's but uh you know. Listen, handle it like a mensch, you know, separate from your wife and then go out and date. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, be, like handle it the right way. If you're yeah. going to do it, yeah. you know, if you're gonna do it, do it the right way. I agree. I, I, I really, that's why I have a, a little bit of a soft spot for Betty and this whole thing is that or not even a little bit. I, I really feel for her to the, this certain point, uh, <laughs> is more, that more fun comments you know, just, just make his <laughs> you know and but, 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 but with all this stuff it is just that i want to recognize just how much emotional strain can be put uh on a person before they break right there's a there's a certain amount of emotional abuse just like physical or sexual abuse gauge that you know you, you you don't you know, nobody deserves to die and we have to learn to control that stuff. But if you put somebody in a position and you press on them and they put all that pressure on them, and this is very evocative of that third episode when they have the psychologist, but you do that long enough and you put the gaslighting face like, yeah, it's they, nobody should murder anybody, but you, you, you kind of, but maybe, but, but you, you put somebody in a, you, you put somebody in an emotional state where they're going to do it. Right. Like, right. you know, you, you feel, I feel that for Betty. I feel like, I really truly feel like it based on this story, obviously, and in this thing, yeah, it's that's like, all we can it doesn't go. justify it, but it does explain it to me. Like I could see that. I'd be like, oh, I did all this for so many people for so long. I helped the, I helped him get through school. He uh-huh. take all my kids away. I didn't even want to have all these kids. He forced me to do all this stuff. He forced me to like live in poverty and like you know, go through a miscarriage and, uh, you know, baby died after 72 hours or a, a week or whatever it was. To, and then, and then still keep going. And then he had these affairs and then he lied to me about it. And he t- told me I was crazy for even feeling that way. And he took everything in my life that was important that I sacrificed for that. I didn't even necessarily want to sacrifice at the time. And they're like, and then go, you know, <laughs> Just I, give him I the birth. I get it to a certain point that that's, you know, like you're, you're made, you're, you made a crazy person in a way you put all the pieces together. Yeah. But you know, it opens the, the, the debate uh, or the discussion to, 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 to the idea of, well, okay, how much of it is the person who's, you know, uh, you know, doing this Dan Broderick and how much of it is the person who's letting themselves, you know, uh, lay in it and roll around in the mud and the shit and the blood and the crap, you know, I mean, yeah. Oh, and and Nancy asked, wait, who didn't want all their kids? I I didn't say. I don't mean that. Betty Betty loves all her kids, but there's points in that first and second episode where she's like, let me get my tubes tied. Let's wear a condom. Let's be, you know, like a little bit more um, responsible about our our family planning. Um, let's not forget the stillborn and the stillborn that and he that didn't stuff. let her see. Yeah. Which and so what I'm I'm not saying that she doesn't want the kids that she had, but what I'm saying is, if it were up to her, she wouldn't have necessarily gone. Full, full Catholic uh, mom, yeah, full you know Brady I mean? bunch. Yeah, she would have probably, you know, yeah, had a two little kids. Bit. Yeah, a couple of kids, and and as we say in Yiddish, shine fatik, you'd be done with it. Yeah, but yeah. but, but well, that's but what no. I mean. I didn't mean that like she doesn't love her kids or she didn't want them. I just saying that yeah, they didn't. She wasn't quite ready to make that 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 that. Those were decisions that were out of her. She wasn't allowed to make. 
Well, I also think there was something that I didn't find consistent in the character because Dan Broderick keeps saying that she's all about the money. She's all about the money, but that doesn't seem to be what she's about. No, that's just his. And why I, is he saying that? Because does he really think that? No, I think that that's just a perfect smarmy way of getting out of stuff. And it's an easy way to call. That's the easiest way to call, uh, you know, sorry, please prefer my language. You want to call a bitch crazy? Just tell her she's out for money, right? That's, right. The, that's the same similar thing you, you'd say. You know, you say, oh, that bitch crazy. Nobody's going to take it. But if she's a money grubber, all of a sudden now you can relate to a bunch of people, men, women, and the like. And it's a really easy way to justify your behavior. Yes. And I do think, yes, she did start using the kids as a weapon, which a lot of people do, unfortunately, in divorces. And she did it to a place where she said, now nah, it's all about the divorce now. It's all about you. And she put her kids, she dissociated herself from every person and thing in her life. Yep. Right. So right. now we get to see what the heck happens. I'm excited. I mean, we know what happens, but, yeah. you know, what you happens? I'm excited about the end of this. I mean, this is definitely something that I didn't think I was going to get into as much as I did. So me too. I, I just said guilty pleasure. And now look at us. Yeah. I that's mean, right. Weekly discussions, dissecting just 25 minutes on ugly bed or not ugly. Betty. ugly oh, <laughs> Betty I did not like that show. Everyone no, else did. I did not. not. Okay. We are done for the day, right? We are done for the day. Wow. We almost went a little over. Okay. We will see everyone at the next episode. Everyone out there. Thank you for being here today. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, I love you all. Please come back tomorrow where I will have a new apology for Hamilton. I love you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>